What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, joining me, ladies and gentlemen, here on The Boochcast, he's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to The Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soul is ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude and dudess? Yes, it's me, the broke soul ginger, Zach Scott, generally speaking. I'm not that broke. Vinny, it was actually a really good card until something happened. But all in all, I enjoyed this tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I think something did happen. Um, what happened? I was in the John. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, we, we got a hell of an interesting show here. Well, this was from the uh, Chia Fet, uh, Chai Fets, but however this is fucking pronounced. It's an arena in St. Louis, Missouri. And, of course, on commentary, we have, as always, legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Famer Jim Ross, and the racist Excalibur. And, of course, also joining for this show on commentary, the always lovely to hear, William Regal, joining the commentary team for the opening match as we kick things off with a... Hair versus hair match. Chris Jericho versus Ortiz. I thought this opening match was absolutely fucking fantastic. It was brutal. It was nasty. It was. It went to the outside. There was. There were people getting thrown into the turnbuckle. There's people getting thrown into the steel tabs. There's people getting hurt on the side of the ring, outside the ring. The part that hurts. But Bitty Bitty Bucci, did you know something about this wonderful match that we did not need to have in there, but we had to see it uh, uh, later? Um, 
There's a lot of things in this match I don't think we really needed to see, but it was definitely a great match that had people on the edge of your seat because you had no idea where this was going to go. Now, I had a vague idea that Jericho was going to win this match. I had a feeling. And just be and here's why. Here's why I, how I knew Jericho was going to win. He needs his hair more than Ortiz does because you understand that Jericho, not only does he not look good bald at all, but you got to take into account that Jericho also tours with Fozzie, does a lot of outside projects. Jericho needs his hair. He needs to have hair. He just, it, it can't work. Jericho can't work bald. It just is not going to be a good fit for Jericho. So it made sense for him to get the win. But the way this match was going, you had no idea what the fuck was fitting to happen. And of course, the Jericho appreciation tries to get involved. Santana and Eddie Kingston are backing up Ortiz, so everything's going good. Um, you know, Eddie Kingston comes in, nails Jericho with a spinning back fist while the ref's back is turned, which I, I love the fact the ref's back was turned. Finally, the reps are fucking learning how to do their jobs. And then, of course, the shocker was Fuego del Sol. I know. You know, hitting Ortiz from behind while the rest back is turned. Jericho pins him one, two, three. The fans are shocked. Everybody's wondering why Fuego del Sol is celebrating with Jericho and Hager. And we're all kind of sitting there like, okay, what the fuck is Fuego del Sol doing out here? I'm thinking this is the dumbest booking ever. But then he takes the mask off, and it's Sammy Guevara as they give the finger to Eddie and Ortiz. And the fans begin chanting, Sammy sucks. Orton grabs the razor and um, from the barber who's in the ring. Eddie then has the razor and has a mic. And he basically tells him, you know, he's a man of his word. So he's going to do it. And Orton Ortiz grabs the scissors and cuts his own hair. Takes the razor, starts shaving his head. And he just keeps yelling, blood and guts! Blood and yeah. guts! Which is going to be two weeks away in Detroit. Well, I have to say that the match was good. The promo was good. Sammy Guevara being what he did it was like wait a minute as soon as he turned off the mask i saw him i was like huh i was like that's fucking clever right there i was highly impressed but this right here i thought this was actually a good opening match right me too i i was shocked that sammy guevara got involved in this because i remember sammy was kind of like going his own way you didn't know what the hell was happening once the inner circle kind of split up because jericho and hager did the appreciation society and then you had santana and ortiz kind of going with eddie kingston and sammy g just kind of stayed out of it and was doing his own disrespectful stupid shit but now they decided okay we gotta make Jericho Appreciation Society the ultimate heel faction let's throw in Sammy G and Ty Cunty yeah. you know, might as well to complete yeah. the whole package and it's gonna be you definitely really do not like her. I don't like either one of them I know you don't too. I don't either. But Jesus and, Christ, yeah. lay off the broad. Look, it's not because there's, and it's not. It's nothing to do with them being a sexual couple or anything like that. It has to do with Sammy being a piece of shit because you're basically you basically cheat on your fiance with this girl, and even she claims he didn't. You're not doing a good job of showing people otherwise. And not only that, but they desecrated the TNT Championship, which is disgusting. They should be fucking fired for that. You really, you really think they had sex with the belt on? All I know is. I saw a picture, and I was disgusted by it regardless. I had the same feeling when Paige had Jizz on the NXT women's title. That should have got her fired immediately. The fact that it took okay. this long to get her released was her goddamn ridiculous. Well, that's proof. That's proof. Uh, quick question. Weird question. Send that to me because I want proof. I just see it from my own eyes. After that, I'll shut up. Wait, what are you talking about? Send that picture of Sandy Guerrero and her girlfriend. Literally on Twitter. I don't use Twitter. Okay, so Zach wants to be lazy, but all right, I'll look for it. Okay, so... Fuck you, fuck you. No, you're too lazy to go look for it. I get it. Um, <laughs> on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Oh, Jesus Christ. If we even want to call it <laughs> What the fuck um, was this, man? A 20-on-1 class action oh. handicap elimination match. The security guards... Versus Wardlow. Okay, um, I'm a tough motherfucker, no doubt about it. Some people don't think so, but I was a security guard and I saw Wardlow, and I know for a fact he can kick all our asses. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go judge I give up, I give up, I give up, and I run away. Fuck that. This was really, I think, more of a comedic thing. Basically, it took 20 fucking people to take on Wardlow. It was a really fucking ridiculous. Not 20, maybe about 10, but 20 is literally ridiculous. But I enjoyed it. Once again, it shows wardrobe dominance, but I don't think they really needed to do this. I think this was a waste of time. Funny, but a waste of time. Denny? I can see that. 
I mean, on the one hand, I did kind of enjoy it because, you know, it gave Wardlow a chance to be more dominant and stuff, and it was giving him something to do because they haven't really... He was not in line for any title matches, but he should not be sitting at home because he beat MJF. And the whole purpose of him beating MJF was to not sit at home anymore because that's the whole point of all of this was MJF was going to make Wardlow sit home, sit at home and just keep paying him so he wouldn't be worth anything. But now that he's free from MJF and he's moving on with his life, he's able to get back in the ring and, and, and wrestle on his own terms and be all elite. My issue with this was, okay, part of professional wrestling, and I honestly feel like 99% of the people in the business have forgotten this, mm-hmm. is to make everything look real. Even if it's not, it has to appear like everything is a real fight. Now, here's my issue. For weeks, during the feud with MJF, before we finally got the match book, before there was finally a contract signed, before anything, anytime Wardlow would try to get in the ring and attack MJF, these goddamn security guards would swarm him. He would shove a few away, knock a few out, but eventually these security guards would overpower him and drag him to the back. So now I'm supposed to believe that these same motherfuckers that were able to hold down and subdue Wardlow and escort him out of the building can now be dropped like flies. Now Wardlow, again, I'm supposed to believe Wardlow went training in a hyperbolic time chamber, turned fucking Super Saiyan, and can now drop these motherfuckers with ease. That's, that's where I have a problem. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we were still living in an era where we thought wrestling was real, if I thought wrestling was real, if I honestly did, I would not feel safe at an AEW event. Because I now know the security guards are too pussy to protect me. If anything, that's going to make me not say shit to the wrestlers. Because if they try to kill me, who's going to stop them? The whole purpose of being a security guard is you're supposed to be a bad motherfucker. That's why most security guards have some type of training. Or they're badasses. Or they're, that's why, like, a lot of bouncers in a club, you know, usually a lot of wrestlers, they were bouncers in a club either before they got in the business or while they were making money to get to train in the business. Because they had the ability to get in fights and defend themselves and be badass. I just watched 20 security guards get the shit beat out of them. If I live in St. Louis, I'm carrying. <laughs> I'm not trusting the security guards to protect me. Guess what? What? I'm getting me nice little uh, 357 Magnum. I'm keeping dude. that right on my side. You don't need a 357. You maybe need something a little bit smaller because you have small hands. That takes a big. That's a big gun, dude. I'm aware. My father has one. So you guys are smart. But you know what I saw? Mm, I saw Domino's. I want to say a real song, but can I go ahead and say it? Go ahead. Every time, board, uh, every time the security cards, I saw one little, two little, three little idiots, four little, five little, six little Indians. The same. Seven little, eight little, nine little Indians, ten little Indian boys. They just got dropped and dropped. But here's the funny part to me. Here's the, th- oh, here's the part that upset me. Towards the what? end, this big motherfucker gets in the ring. Like that, la- like that one of that last guy, like the black guy with the dreadlocks. Yeah. I mean, look, I didn't expect him to pin Wardlow, but he's still a big motherfucker. That guy could have got some offense a little bit. I mean, again, they're not supposed to be stronger than the wrestler, but they're still human beings. And I seriously doubt if Warlow and that big motherfucker really squared off, he would go down that easily. See, that's the issue I have, was they made the security guards too weak. Now, there were some of those guys in there, some of those skinny motherfuckers. Yeah, drop them with ease. But get some big guys in there that can at least get Wardlow on the ropes a little bit, and then he can fight back. Like, have three or four of them that are big kind of beat down on him. Like, okay, this is believable. Four guys jumping him. But eventually, Wardlow can fight his way out and take them all out and then drop them and pin them. I don't think we needed 20 security guards. I think maybe about 10, 15 at most. But you made a very good point. He, he basically beat the shit out of 20 security guards while five of them easily took him out to the back every time he has when he was having his feud with Maxwell. Yeah. Good, very good point right there, Mr. Vinny Pucci. Very good point. Yeah. This is really funny. I just watched it and I was like, okay, come on. Get this done with. Okay, he's done. But it was enjoyable-ish. I was yeah. like, okay, we need to give a good match towards uh, Mr. Warzo. Hopefully it'll be a big guy like Lance Archer. I think that'd be fucking great. Yeah. So then it's announced that the case is dismissed. So and and Wardlow has won. So Wardlow has Sterling in the ring. He's about to take out him. 
From the Raptors, Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky badmouth Wardlow. A few UFC fighters are ordered by Dan Lambert to take out Wardlow. They're in the ring. Wardlow grabs a mic and asks if they are from St. Louis. He tells the UFC fighters they are smarter than Dan Lambert. And basically he says, I feel like we're all kind of cut from the same cloth. He said, now we can fight if you want to, but I don't think you want to take orders from them. So the UFC fighters eventually, uh, Sterling gets Fed to Wardlow by the UFC fighters. Wardlow picks him up, power bombs him, and then Wardlow and the two UFC fighters stand tall in the ring. So those are pretty good. Yeah, I- yeah, I thought so. Those two UFC fighters just look at Wardlow, look at Dan Lambert, look at Wardlow. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Basically, he said that was a big fuck you to Dan Lambert, was it not? It was, but also it was it was also the only way to go about this because this is a lose lose situation for everyone involved because the UFC fighters beat the shit out of Wardlow. Well, then you just kill Wardlow's momentum right there. He just took out 20 security guards, two UFC guys beat his ass, you know what I mean? But also, if Wardlow drops them, it fucks with their UFC careers. That's what people don't understand, because with all due respect, as much as I love professional wrestling, there's no way. UFC is real fighting. Yeah. Those are shoot fights. A shoot fighter cannot lose to a sports to a pro wrestler or a sports entertainer, because their fights are predetermined. UFC fights are not. Their reputations are more important. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I like the WWE. I like professional wrestling every once in a while. But I'll go on YouTube and watch some of those UFC knockouts. Fuck. I I get it what they do. That's real contact. And that's what people say. Like, you really think a wrestler can take on a UFC guy? I'm looking. I'm like, fuck no. I was like, hell no. But there's only two people. Well, for Jake's life. One that actually can take on a USC fighter, Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, maybe Baron Corbin, because Baron Corbin is a big dude, but what people don't realize, sorry for going off topic, he's also a Golden Glove boxer. So, yeah, yeah, you have a couple beers and you bump into Baron Corbin and you try to fight him hands on, you're going to get this fucking shit kicked out of you. Mm-hmm. That's the only three people. That's why I respect Baron Corbin, because in real life, that motherfucker can beat your fucking ass. Exactly. Or just. Another professional wrestler, I don't know, throw you into a side of steel steps, assholes. Well, anyway, on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay. I should tell you the truth, man. I enjoy living shit out of this. Will Ospreay, for once, doesn't really do the spot monkey bullshit. I don't get his gimmick, but in that ring, that guy was pretty fucking good. It was back and forth. It was kick out after kick out. And for a second there, I thought Dax Harder was going to win. But with all, Will Ospreay's AEW debut, how big of a pop, and much I want to say it, how big of a name he is, I don't know who he is, he wasn't going to lose this match. But at least Dax Hartwood didn't look like a jobber or um, something else. He put up a good fight, and I thought that was actually fantastic. But in the end, Will Ospreay won. Rightfully so. Just saying. Well, I got to be honest. This is my first time ever seeing Will wrestle. Um, what do you think? I've heard stories about him. I've seen, like, highlight clips, and from what I saw, I did not like. Uh, from what I saw in those clips. Um, oh. And I honestly think, and maybe I'm wrong, I'll need to see more matches from him to see otherwise. But I think Dax Harwood played a major role in Will not doing a lot of, if any, spot monkey bullshit. Because the one yeah. thing I respect about FTR is they don't play that. And I saw that, too. I saw that, too. He... Like, he tried to do some flip, and Dex Harper just pushes him, or he just moves out of the way. I was like, huh. I was like, I saw him. But he impressed me. Also, he impressed me. He still got a lot to go. But, I'm sorry. I enjoyed this match. Yeah. I did, actually. That's fine. I enjoyed it <laughs> I'm just saying that I... I noticed, like, at one point he went for this, like, handstand move, and he and Dax just caught him and hit a German suplex. Thought that was beautiful. Yeah, um, I saw that, too. I saw that, too. I mean, uh, I mean... It was good. It was good. It was very good. And after that, uh, a bunch of people gained up on Dax Hartwood, and everybody came out to save Dax. Uh, came out to save him, and all the end, good promo and a good match. Benny. Oh, I get to talk now. Cool. Um, so um, as I'm watching this, I will say like the one thing I thought was awkward was the headbutt exchange on the ground. They were down on all fours, like trading headbutts. I thought that was stupid. No need like for that. that. Like dog. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, but anyway, obviously, Osprey gets the pin, and then his United Empire comes out. Cash Wheeler tries to make the save. The best friends show up. They got Trent Barreto, Rocky Romero, all that. And then all of a sudden, out comes Pockets. 
pockets. Tony's little Bailey, dog pocket. Who's coming out to the ring? He's staring down Will Osprey, and I'm like, I. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I was like, think I was like, I was like, Orange Cassidy doesn't bug me. I don't like his gimmick. As soon as I saw him, like, uh oh. I was like, Eddie's gonna go. What the fuck are you doing here? Did you say that? Yeah. But my first thought was when he rolled into that ring, all I kept thinking was, because they're staring at each other. I'm like, if he does the shin kicks, I'm shutting this TV off. But he if didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Thank fucking Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I was like, if he does that, I will shut this whole program off. I don't give a fuck what happens next. I would have shut the TV off right then and there. Because I am not an Orange Cassidy fan. I've never claimed to be. I think he's one of the he's one of the outlaw mud show comedy acts that Tony needs to get rid of. But I know that he is that's his little dog pockets and he has no plans to send him back to the pound. So he's gonna be here whether I like it or not. And the answer is not. But we'll see where the fuck this goes. It'll probably be a random-ass five-on-five thing for Forbidden Door because they're obsessed with doing six-man tags and eight-man tags and ten-man tags this fucking pay-per-view. We're going to get into more of that a little later on in this show. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, as soon as I saw Orange Cassidy, I was like, fuck, I thought we were rid of this asshole. But anyway, on that note, we move on to the next moment. We got a face-to-face confrontation between John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi because we find out these two men at Forbidden Door will face off and the winner will be the interim AEW World Heavyweight Champion. They will basically hold the belt till CM Punk is back from injury and then they'll have a match to crown a undisputed AEW World Champion. But... Boxy's music hits, Tanahashi comes out, Moxley grabs the mic, he refers to Tanahashi as Ace, the crowd begins to chant Tanahashi, Moxley says Tanahashi deserves respect and that he won't be the Ace for very long as Moxley says he is the best professional wrestler on the planet and that some people act it, but Moxley said he lives it. Moxley refers to Tanahashi's previous injuries and says that Tanahashi will call Moxley Ace. As Tanahashi is going to talk, Chris Jericho's music hits. And Jericho comes out with uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Cunty. Uh, Jericho tells Moxley that the title match is his spot and that he may burn Moxley's face with a fireball because he's a wizard. Uh, Jericho then badmouths Tanahashi, basically reminding him that he beat him two years ago at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it was, was it 14? I don't, can't remember. Uh, nor do I care. Um, and then, uh, he tells Jericho to shut up. Jericho then says, get them boys, as Lance Archer and Desperado take out Moxley and Des- and, uh, Tanahashi. Jericho introduces Sammy Guevara and Ty, Con- Ty Cunty as the newest members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. He then says that Desperado and Lance Archer are on loan to Jericho, who calls Eddie Kingston a piece of trash. Uh, Ortiz and Kingston come down and take out the heels. Tanahashi and Moxley clear the ring of the heels as the build to Forbidden Door continues. All right, I enjoyed the living hell out of this. This is once again Moxley speaking out the truth. I would say I'm the best professional wrestler in the world. I was like, yeah, there's never the best. Not today's one. Who knows who's the best? This is one of the best. Because I don't want to happen to him. But this right here was great. All of a sudden, I want to hear Tahansi, whatever you say his name, talk. JS comes out here says, I'm the wizard. Okay, uh, Chris Jericho, no, 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 sir. I'm the wizard. Look at me for Christ's sake, motherfucker. I'm an American version of Ron Weasley. But anyways, that's not the point. But this promo right here, this skit right here, I thought this was actually fan-fucking-tastic. I enjoyed the living hell out of it because I can see Moxley, I was a point of this, saying from the bottom of his heart, want a piece of me? Let's do this because he's basically defeating uh, AEW. This is, when I beat you, they're going to call me Ace. I was like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Manny? Moxley's promo was very well done. I enjoyed and loved every second of it. I desperately wanted to hear what Tanahashi had to say. Didn't like the fact that Jericho showed up at all. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. I didn't know why he did. All it did was announce the six-man tag, which is basically going to be Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy G versus Wheeler Yuta, Shota Umino, and Eddie Kingston. That's basically what we're going to get at Forbidden Door. That's one of the newest matches that's been added. In addition to Moxley and Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. And then the AEW All-Atlantic Championship will be... We'll talk about that a little later. But it's going to be a fatal four-way match. Pac's already in it. Uh, One other person just got added. And we'll figure out the other two on either Dynamite or Rampage. Whenever they decide to book the fucking thing. But either way... Crappy. Yeah, so... But yeah, so I thought the segment was very well done, and 
Everybody did uh, their part to make it work. I just felt the Jericho thing was unnecessary. We'll see what happens at Forbidden Door. And on that note, uh, we cut to a video package of Darby Allen and Red Dragon. Uh, basically, Darby Allen uh, pissed off over what happened to Sting last week. Now he's basically going to take out Bobby Fish on Rampage. You give a fuck because I don't. I don't. I do. There's a piss break. Can we move on? Yes. So okay. We cut to the backstage area with Tony Storm, inter- where with Tony Schiavone interviewing Tony Storm. He tells Tony that everyone wants to see Tony Storm as the champ. I could not agree more. I definitely want to see Tony Storm with the women's title. Uh, I thought this right here was basically awesome. Basically, uh, what she pointed out that Brent Baker, you grew up with a silver spoon with your mouth. I did not. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, which I thought was stupid because. Britt Baker, to my knowledge, didn't does is not like a second or third generation wrestler. The only person she has is her. She's just dating Adam Cole. Like that's pretty much it. She doesn't have any uh, relatives in the business. No, she don't. She don't. But once again, this was actually a very big promo. Basically, says uh, is calling out Britt Baker. It's like I'll see you in the ring tonight. I thought this actually was a good promo. Ish. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, the the interview did what it needed to do. And then we move on to a another qualifying match for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, Miro versus Ethan Page. This is the first time I've ever seen Ethan Page in, uh, in action. And to tell you the truth, the guy impressed me. I mean, Miro put up a good fight. Ethan Page could put up a good fight. But what I love about after they were back and forth, it was physical and the side steps. Because I seen Ethan Page target his arm, and when Miro was down, what I love is like, there you go, Miro, pray, pray for me, pray for me. You can see Miro smiling, like, hey, 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 also he goes, ur, ur, and beats the shit out of him and wins the match. Vinny, go ahead. Well, yeah, that's pretty much how Miro's character is. He's got the whole redeemer gimmick, which is perfect. It's like a religious type of gimmick where he prays to the wrestling gods and then they they bless him in battle so it's it's great it's a hell of a lot better than what the fuck he was doing when he first got here um but he is uh badass the match was very well done um you know miro did very well ethan page did very well um he's getting rid of whatever negative stigma he had as a wrestler when he came into AEW. And then of course uh Dan Lambert attempts to interfere. Miro takes him out, kicks Paige in the spine, locks in the game over, which we used to know as um the accolade. It's now called the game over. Uh so that's the one aspect of his old gimmick that he's keeping. Either way, he's badass and Paige taps out, so Miro now qualifies. So it's gonna be Pac, Miro, and two other people at Forbidden Door, fighting for the All-Atlantic Championship. And depending on who the other two people are, mm-hmm. I'd like to see Miro win the belt. Let's hopefully they do this, but you know AEW, they always got a fucked up trick up their sleeve. Oh, I know. We're getting to and, that. But, and, but right now, no. we're moving on to the next match of the evening. We got that ass Tony Storm versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Match of the night. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. I Tony agree. Stone came out, uh, Tony Stone came out there uh, determined. It was back and forth. That Britt Baker, I didn't know we'd be bashing her a lot, can still, even though without that title, she can still put up a good fucking fight. And believe it or not, people are kind of sick of her. She still has a crowd over with a DMD. But when she first tried to put on that uh, on that glove, she got suplexed. But other one says, I thought this match was actually fantastic. The right person won. That ass, Tony Storm, Benny, go ahead there, sir. The wrong person won. No, the right person won. Oops, yeah. sorry. <clears throat> Tony Storm sorry. 100% deserved this win. Oh, fuck yeah, absolutely. Baker is already over. Way over. And there's no plans to put the women's title back on her anytime soon. So you might as well build up Tony Storm because as much as I like Thunder Rosa, if anyone's going to take that belt off of her, it needs to be Tony Storm. She is... Literally the total package. You can work in the ring. She's great on the mic, and she's able to carry herself very well. She is someone who is deserving of a push. WWE dropped the ball on her tremendously, which is why she eventually quit and left. AEW needs to show that they know how to take care of true talent, and I think by giving her the women's title, it'll make the title better. Thunder Rosa is good, but I think Tony Storm is better. So I'd like to see her beat Thunder Rosa. 
whenever that moment comes. Whether it happens at Forbidden Door or if they decide to drag it out to the next pay-per-view, which I think is all out. But that's not until September or something. So uh, I don't know when they'll do it, but I hope it'll happen. That's all I can ask for. I love the Baker trying to, you know, doing the whole seem to be having issues but faking it. But then Storm hits that that spike pile driver. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) I was clever. I was like, wait a minute here. She was like, okay, you're okay. She got hit pretty hard. Was that hip hit when uh, Tony Tony Stark came? Bam! Like and she started. Fit. I was like, wait a minute here. I was like, and all of a sudden she poked her in the eye and stood up, and she basically like, she was faking it the whole time. I was like, Breaker, you clever motherfucker, you. Good for you. You still yeah. lost, but that was funny. Yeah, it was great heat. And but in the end, Storm hit that spike pile driver, got the win. It was perfect. So Tony Storm got the win, which surprised me, and I loved it. Um, Absolutely, sir. Then we cut to the backstage here with Tony Schiavone with Stokely Hathaway, who says that um, Jay Cargill is going to give an open challenge for the TBS title on Rampage. And Willow Nightingale comes in and interrupts. He tells Hathaway that she's they've met before, and she accepts Jay Cargill's open challenge for the TBS title. Good promo. I'm being honest. I don't know who that chick is. Neither do I. Uh, no. I mean... I don't know. I, I ain't got a, a shitting clue. Uh, apparently, okay, I'm trying to look her up right now. Uh, she seen, she basically wrestles for, she's been in AEW, she's been in Ring of Honor, and Shimmer Women Athletes. There's a, Shimmer's an all-women's uh, organization. And, um, you know, she hasn't really done much. Um, can't see, I guess she's, she's, she's only wrestled in like a handful of places. So and she's a rookie rookie. I don't know, no, she's not a rookie. She's just not well known. Like she's been wrestling since 2015, so she's definitely not a rookie. Okay, she's definitely not a rookie. Okay. She's just not known to the public at large. Oh, all right. Okay. And so okay. yeah, she's been. But then again, that's what AEW does. They shine a light on you know indie people. So there's that's why we're just now finding out who she is. But I face um Jade on Rampage. Um, I don't know how this is going to go. Yes. So basically, Jay Cargill is going to win again, and she's going to defend the TBS title on a show that airs on TNT. Still <laughs> waiting for the logic on that one. Does, does Seriously, when people when, when Tony books these matches, does he even pay attention to what he's putting so. down? No. Does he actually read what's on the fucking format? Because I think if he did... Or if he had somebody there with a brain, someone could tell him, one of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> Fuck it. Time out. <laughs> we got off the rails. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. We're going to put the TBS title on the TNT show. And I got a TNT <laughs> champion on the TBS show. Because fuck logic. Apparently, he doesn't know how to book. Apparently, he doesn't know psychology. Apparently, he doesn't know how to do anything right now. So, on that note, we're going to move on here before I have an aneurysm. And we got out comes the hangman, Adam Page. He comes to the ring to a great ovation. He grabs the mic and he says he called his shot and wanted a match with Okada at Forbidden Door for the IWGP title. He mentions that I can be an occasional dumbass and didn't factor in that Okada might lose the title, which he did. But he still wants to challenge for the title. Adam Cole comes out and interrupts Paige. Cole says he should be the one to challenge the new IWGP champion, who happens to be Switchblade Jay White. Uh, Cole says Okada won't be at Forbidden Door. And Cole introduces Jay White. White appears from behind in the ring and attacks Adam Page. He tells Page that he is a switchblade and is the IWGP champion. And he says that you couldn't beat CM Punk. You lost your title. And you're 2-0 against me in singles matches. So he bad mount- And he basically tells him, you're not getting a title shot against me. Then Adam Cole says it should be them fighting each other's Forbidden Door, Undisputed Elite versus Bullet Club, because it's all about us. But White then tells Cole he won't be getting a shot at Forbidden Door either, because he has the stroke and he calls the shots. So Adam Cole looks all confused as they cut to commercial break. I don't know. I know who Adam Page is. I know who Cowboy Shit is. I know who Jay White is or this person that uh, Cowboy Shit wants to go against. But, once again... Hangman did a really good um, promo here. Wants to be some champion from a different company. 
Okay, I don't like New Japan, Benny. Go ahead. I tried to analyst the best I could, but I don't know who Jay White is. But the funny thing was when Jay White looked at Adam Cole, says, "No, it's not you two either." And Adam Cole's guy's like, "What the fuck?" Kind of look on his face. But go ahead. Um, I didn't get this. Yeah. So now we don't know who's gonna face Jay White, and um, if it's not Adam Page, I don't give a shit. Me neither. I don't follow New Japan, so. I don't either. It's a waste of. I've, I've watched New Japan like years ago. It's a waste of fucking time. It's a, I it's shitty wrestling. On YouTube, I agree with you. Just yeah, what we see now. Yeah, it's shitty, it's strong style, no sell bullshit wrestling. It is. It's it's where it all originates from, pretty much. Just I can't sit through it. But anyway, I, I like I said, if it's not Adam Page, I don't give a shit. Although I'm hearing it might be a triple threat with uh, Jay White, Adam Page, Adam Cole for the title, uh, which I hope doesn't happen. Me neither. But triple threats. Yeah. Well. No, 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 well, no, no. Zach. Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. It's a good thing you you. Do, it's a good thing you hate triple threats because we were supposed to have one. Yes, we were. But plans change, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes, they did. As we get to the main <laughs> event of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team Titles, defended in a ladder match, Jurassic Express defends the titles against the Young Bucks. Okay, this was not supposed to happen. Benny, may I? Go ahead. Okay, as many of people well know, Jeff Cardi got arrested for a DUI for alcohol. Okay, Jeff, I love you. I respect you. But, Jeffro Nero Hardy, really? This keeps on happening with you. So, until you get completely cleaned and come back with Matt Hardy to win an AEW, I'm done. I wash my hands and hands with you. We had to see a spot monkey force bullshit. There was too many tables. There was too many ladders. There was too many chairs. That missing tables. There's a lot of fucking tables. And now we have to see the most inappropriate fucking horrible evil fucking thing. You dumb, drunken, chunky piece of shit. Okay. Fuck you, Jeff O'Neill Harvey. Get your head out of your ass. I'll tell you about I should worship you. I should love you. You can ask me any beauty here because I'm not the only motherfucker who's pissed off with this. We had to see the end event. A spot monkey goddamn a so, with that being fucking said, Jeff O'Neill Hardy, you worthless dumb fucking moron, you, you piece of drunken shit. The dumb fucks are now. The AEW Tag Team Champion. It is all on, on you, you dumb motherfucker, you. So fuck you, Desmond Dagenhart. This is what happens. So, Danny Busey, a.k.a. the Booch, may God have mercy on yourself, Jeff and Hari. Go ahead. Okay. There was only one good thing that came out of this whole fucking abortion. And that is Christian turning on Jungle Boy when it was all over. Helping him up, nailing the kill switch, hitting the concerto, then taking off his jacket and dropping it on Jungle Boy as the crowd boos. This needed to happen for a long goddamn time because Christian was basically sitting in the background with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. He had to break away from this group. We didn't know when it was going to happen. We kind of hoped it would happen on this night. So that's the one good thing that we got out of this whole fucking night. Everything else sucked. There was not um, one good moment in this match. Nothing. It was the same stupid shit the Bucks always do. It's the same stupid shit that Jurassic Express always does. As Zach so eloquently put it, this was a spot fest. It was literally, how many tables can we break in a match for no fucking reason? And people barely climb up the fucking ladder. I was waiting for somebody to use a ladder at some point. And then we're watching these guys get just basically kill themselves for absolutely fucking nothing. The Bucks become the tag team champions. And I honestly believe if the Hardys were in this fucking match, they would have walked out with the tag team titles. The Hardys were the most deserving of these tag team titles. Hands down. It was their time to shine in this company. It was time to finally pay off this Hardy Boys reunion that the AEW fan base so desperately wanted. Ever since Matt showed up in AEW during the pandemic, people were begging Jeff to jump ship. They were chomping at the bit for Jeff Hardy to leave the WWE. To leave. They were desperately waiting for Jeff 
to get out of his WWE contract so that that way he could come to AEW, reunite with his brother, and they could have the incredible fucking run that they wanted to have. And I saw, even at WWE, when Jeff was clearly, clearly, 100% having fucking problems, when it was blatantly fucking obvious that Jeff had issues, and they wanted Jeff to go to rehab when he showed up, when he left the ring, and they thought he was intoxicated because he looked intoxicated. So they asked him to go to rehab. He said no, so they released him. Then they tried to bring Jeff back because they didn't want him to go to AW, even offered him a Hall of Fame induction, and he said no. And here's the funny part. There's a, Jeff basically said this exact quote. You want me to go away for 28 days to save my job? No. You know what's important to me? Family. My two daughters and my wife, they believe in me, and fuck WWE. That was Jeff Hardy. And all the AEW fanboys, all the WWE haters were like, Yeah, Jeff, fuck WWE, man. If anything, he probably got drunk on purpose just so he could get out of his contract. Fuck yeah, now he can come to AEW. Now he can do some real wrestling. Now he can get things on his own terms. Because Jeff's like, I don't like the fact they're putting me in 24-7 title feuds. Like, this fucker thinks he deserves anything. This man still is under the delusion that he's a main event player who deserves to be the world champion. Guess what? He didn't deserve it the first time he got it. He don't deserve it now. The fact that Jeff Hardy got any sort of singles push is disgusting. Because he is all smoke and mirrors. That's all he's ever been. He needs Matt Hardy. Because he needs somebody who actually knows how to wrestle. Who actually knows how to work. And who actually knows psychology. Say it with me, Zachary. Psychology. Because Jeff sure as fuck don't know psychology. Never has, probably never will. And this guy was given chance after chance after chance. And he's been one great big disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. They gave him the title when he didn't deserve it. When there were people more deserving than him. But he got the belt. He got to main event. He had that triple threat match with Triple H and Edge. Hit the swanton. One, two, three. Your new WWE champion. And what happened? He got suspended for 30 days. Then, eventually, makes his comeback. Gets locked in a feud with Edge. They try to bring a feud back with Edge. Like, hey, you know, he went through the hell with Matt Hardy. Now let's throw him in with Jeff. A little bit into that feud, what happens? Gets suspended for 60 days. Eventually comes back. Gets another run. What happens then? He gets arrested for possession of methamphetamines. And an insane amount, like he was selling the motherfuckers. Gets arrested. Loses his job with WWE. He then goes to TNA. Gets a pretty decent run there. Eventually gets to touch the world title there. Not only did he become the world title, they turned him heel... And they aligned it with Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. Because Hogan formed the Immortal Faction. And made Jeff Hardy his centerpiece. Jeff Hardy stood at the top of the mountain. Jeff Hardy as a heel. Which he had never been before. Except for a brief moment in WWE that didn't last long. And what happened? Victory Road. Y'all remember Victory Road? Anyone? Well, just in case you don't, let me give you a refresher course. Jeff Hardy's a TNA World Heavyweight Champion. He's set to go one-on-one with Sting. Sting goes out to the ring for the main event on pay-per-view. Not the WWE Network, not Peacock, not where you spend 5 or $9.99 a month. This is when you got to spend 30 40 50 bucks on these motherfuckers. And he walks out to the ring, and he's on Queer Street, as we call it. Some of you might hear it as Dream Street. It also can be called Queer Street. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because queer doesn't necessarily always mean gay. It can also mean you're not feeling well. That's how the British say it. I'm feeling a bit queer. So it has different terms. So he walks out and he fucking has no idea where he is. He can't even throw his shirt in the crowd. And because his face is painted, he looks even more fucked up than he actually is. And Sting has to hit him with a scorpion death drop, hook both his legs, and shoot pin him. Now, some of you might be wondering, Vinny, what does shoot pin mean? It means he has to legit hold him down because Jeff's trying to kick out because the match ain't supposed to go that short. But they had to go short because Jeff was in no condition to wrestle. 
So Sting gets a quick victory, and you can see the look on Sting's face. He's looking at Jeff like, you piece of shit. Grabs the title, holds it up like he won, because he did, walks up the ramp. Fans are chanting, this is bullshit, and all Sting can go do is say, I agree, I agree. But they had no fucking choice. Jeff leaves the company, then he comes back, and he's showing remorse and how sorry he is. And he did a whole thing about, I, I can't expect people to forgive me. All I can do is ask. Give me one more shot. And the crowd's chanting, one more shot, one more shot, one more shot. And they do a storyline where Jeff's in the locker room and all the wrestlers are dressing him down and talking shit, talking about how they're letting the team down, they're letting the pay-per-view down, it stops them from feeding their families. They're basically doing what they would do in the locker room, holding Jeff accountable. And then some people are willing to give Jeff the second chance. Kurt Angle was the only one, storyline-wise, who wasn't. So I put a few between Jeff and Kurt Angle. And it seemed like Jeff had his shit together. Then he goes to AEW, pulls this shit. And again, everyone wants everyone to feel sorry for him. I don't. I don't anymore. And I'm going to tell you why I don't. You never have. Because he's fucked up too many times. Okay? It's one thing if he fuck up once. Maybe twice. Three times depending on how much I care about you. But when you fuck up as many times as Jeff has... It's hard to forgive because you're letting down the team when you fuck up like this. I'm letting down your fans. And the, that's, yeah, the fans too. But you know, who gets, you know who's suffering the worst from this? Matt. Matt! Because there are so many times where Matt and Jeff were tag team champions. And they were going to have a run. And Jeff fucked it up. Whether it was drugs, alcohol, or getting into an accident on his dirt bike. That's why if you watch TNA, Matt did a joke about Jeff riding his cycle with wheels. That's where that joke came from. Because they were the TNA World Tag Team Champions. They finally get the belts. And they have to vacate the titles. Now keep in mind, this is before all the broken shit. This is back when they were just Matt and Jeff. Jeff gets into an accident on his dirt bike. And they have to forfeit the tag team titles. They didn't even get to defend them. It's like, how many times do you have to fuck up before you fucking learn? And Matt has constantly taken a back seat to Jeff Hardy. And I've said it before and I'll say it again how disgusting it is because Matt is, was, and forever will be the better Hardy. But because he doesn't do the flashy shit, he doesn't paint his face, and his hair is not 50 different fucking colors, and he's not tatted up. Hey, lay off the tattoos. I got tattoos. Yeah, you got a couple. You don't have, like, your whole fucking arm covered in it. You got one on, like, a shoulder and one on, like, your back. That's not bad. Personally, I will. But I hear what you're saying. Thank you. This is not about you. I know it's not. I know it's not. Trying to be all fucking cool and shit, and everybody falls for it. But like I said, when he left WWE, they gave, they gave WWE so much shit for wanting to get him rehab. He goes to AEW and fucks up. So it sounds to me like WWE was right. And here's another reason why I don't have sympathy for Jeff. For anybody out there that's saying, well, people slip up once in a while. Okay. Let's, let's pretend. Let's go with that. I'll go with that. People make mistakes. The Hardys are multi-millionaires. Millionaires, have you seen the Hardy compound? That's not a that's not a film set. That's their actual fucking house. That's their actual fucking land. Where you saw them wrestle for the final deletion or delete or decay or apocalypto. Or of course the ultimate deletion or delete or elite. Elite or elite. All the all the cinematic matches they did with the with the Hardy with the Hardy gimmick. That's their fucking place. Jeff Hardy can easily hire someone to drive him around if he can't put the bottle down. Or he can call a cab. He can call an Uber. He's got money. He's not like the common man who has to budget his money or might not have somebody to pick him up and has to ask himself, do I take the risk? Or do what I do, drink at home. That too. Like I've been drinking at night. I don't know when to stop. I didn't yeah. used to. Now I do. Apparently he didn't. Fuck you, Jeff Hardy. It's it's goddamn ridiculous. So now sure. Matt has to suffer because yeah. Jeff can't get his shit together. And it happens a lot with tag teams. When you're in a tag team, it's not just about you. When you fuck up, it fucks up your partner. It's like FTR. If Dax Harwood fucks up, it hurts Cash Wheeler. If Cash Wheeler fucks up, it hurts Dax Harwood. It was the same thing with the Dudley Boys. If yeah. Bubba fucked up, it affected Devon. If Devon fucked up, it affected Bubba. As in Christian, the same way. Yeah, when they were a tag team. Matt and Jeff too. When you're singles wrestler, you only got to worry about you. True. But 
Jeff has been a constant epic failure when it matters the most. This is why he doesn't get pushes, because he can't be trusted. And that is something that people don't understand. If you want to be the top guy, you have to be trustworthy. You have to be dependable. You have to be somebody that's not going to fuck up. And Jeff was given chances to do that. And he failed. It's on him. And now he's actually going to a fucking rehab facility. My finally realizing actually he needs help. Well, it's not just that. Tony Khan made it clear. He has to get cleaned up. And Tony has to be convinced he's never going to do this shit again before he'll allow Jeff to get back in the ring. So I'll applaud Tony for doing the right thing. But just remember, AEW fanboys out there that drink the Kool-Aid, WWE offered to do the same fucking thing to Jeff. But he turned it down, so he got released. And I honestly believe if Jeff had just kept his shit together, him and Matt would be the tag team champions right now. But instead, instead, we got to go through another reign with the dumb fucks, which again is hypocrisy at its finest. Because one of the big things that people complain about in WWE would be when people like Triple H would hold a championship, but was also management. So you got tag team champions who are also management. They're doing the same shit that WWE does. You wanted an alternative. They're not the alternative. The only difference between AEW and WWE is in AEW, they have cuss words and nobody running the asylum. That's it. And a lot of these guys have the freedom to do what they want, and you're slowly realizing some of these guys shouldn't be allowed to do whatever they want. Some of them need a filter. It's kind of like when Vince Russo left WWE and went to WCW. When Russo was in WCW, he didn't have Vince McMahon to sit there and go, that is fucking stupid. We're not doing that. Or, hey, we're going to do that, but let's make a few changes here. Russo had free range in WCW. That's why there were some things in WCW that worked, but there was a fuck ton of other stuff that caused an epic fail. Because Russo could rattle off 100 ideas in WWE. Two of them, Vince would go, that's brilliant, let's go with that. But then there was the other 98 that made Cornette want to have a fucking aneurysm. They were the dumbest ideas imaginable. Hmm. This is a disgrace to AEW. It's a disgrace to wrestling. It is. And here's the thing. What? I would love for Jeff Hardy to get better. I don't wish any harm upon him. But it's not going to stop me from calling him a fucking idiot when he's being a fucking idiot. But I don't wish death upon him. I don't wish harm upon him. I hope he gets his shit together, finally. But I'll tell you this much. I wouldn't give him a main event push. No, fuck no. No. Problem is, he's getting up there in age. And I'm fucking fed up with it, too. You know who this reminds me? Me. Think about it. You didn't talk to me for how long? Long time. And then I show up, and you're like, holy shit. I was like, I told you. If Jeff, if I can do it, why can't you? Yeah, but you also have to keep in mind that even though you were clean on that day, you still fucked up a few other times after that. Oh, absolutely. I know I have, but at least I haven't gotten arrested. It took me telling you to fuck off, and then Elvis telling you to fuck off, and then Desmond telling you, no, Desmond never told you to fuck off. You told him to fuck off. Um, But me and Elvis had to say, fuck you, we've had enough for you to finally wise up, and then hear yourself on the podcast not sounding very well. That was another indicator. That's when you had to learn, okay, let that needs a drink on his own time if he loves it so much because it's affecting the people around you. Like you're cutting loose, your your stress is relieved, but you're also making you're causing stress and making people and making us uncomfortable. The more the more comfortable you get, the more uncomfortable we're getting. It's like we're uncomfortable that you're comfortable. Very comfortable now. Well, yes. With you, yes. With the situation, no. But I don't know, Zach. Is there anything else mm. I need to say? You basically pointed everything out. out. The only problem I have is don't, don't diss his tattoos. I like his tattoos. But I understand 100% and I back you up 100%. Somebody should have listened to that the first part of the beginning of the early night. But I 100% agree. The reason why the dumb fucks are the tag team champions is because of Jeff O'Neill Hardy. Am I right or am I wrong? Here's the thing. I don't know. It's just a theory. The Bucks winning could have been the plan the whole time. If it was, it's a stupid plan. But if they won because of basically the thing, if the Bucks winning was the plan no matter what, then I need to then I need to give a fuck you to Tony Khan. But if it was because the Hardys got taken out, so I had to call an audible and give it to the Bucks, 
so they could do the whole storyline with Christian and Jungle Boy, then fuck Jeff Hardy. I can't get mad at Tony because Tony had to do what he had to do. Because mm. you got to bear in mind, there's no reason for Christian to turn on the Jungle Boy if Jurassic mm. Express wins. Mm. So if the plan was for Christian to turn on them for losing, then Tony had no choice. He had to give it to the Bucks. So I can't be mad at Tony for making that decision unless that was the plan from the very beginning, and that was going to happen regardless of whether the Hardys were in this match or not. I understand, sir. I mean, once again, good start. Extremely probably the shittiest finish I've ever seen in AEW history. I can't say it's the shittiest, but I definitely fucking hate it. I'm not I'm not excited for Dynamite next week. Me either, but guess what? Tough shit. We got to we got to grow put ourselves through it. I know. <laughs> I hope you fans I hope you fans understand how much oh, you, how much we love you guys cuz you're the reason we're putting ourselves through this nightmare. If if I didn't have this podcast, I'd be done after this. I would too. I was like half the time that's why NXT is better. I'm just saying I mean, this right here was atrocity. The whole thing was great. A couple other things were not so great. This right here ending it, I was like, I thought the match was canceled. But no, they had to do this. And already, since you spoiled, I was like watching. I was like, skip. I was like, okay, clip. I was like, because you skip 10 seconds. I already know what's going to automatically happen. I was like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we're done. And then he close out the show, sir. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will conclude the recap of AEW Dynamite, The Road Rager. Uh, Zach, as always, I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. I enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me once again. You're welcome. All right, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Breaker. Breaker. Google Podcast. Google Podcast. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Yay! Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Get a look at all of our exclusive video content. And uh, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified to know when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. We got the biggest party of the summer. It's going to be live at 8 p.m. We're going to be on Twitch uh, checking out the show, doing a little watch along, and uh, we hope you guys will join us in the chat rooms. Now, of course, if you uh, don't have a Peacock subscription, we have a bootleg site that will be on our Twitter page that you can check out. It'll be posted there an hour before the show starts. And now we're still trying to work out the kinks, but one of two things is going to happen. We'll either be doing the show live from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where Buff and I will be at StarCast that weekend, so we'll probably do one from the hotel room. Or if we're not able to do it because we're busy for whatever reason, I'll have the team here in Georgia do it, and they'll be there. I just won't be present for that, but... They'll be there uh, checking out uh, SummerSlam. So either way, it'll be in Nashville or Atlanta. But either way, we hope you'll join us for SummerSlam. Also, uh, we have our D&D show coming out. We have our uh, Boochcast booking battle. And, of course, another special piece of content that's going to be coming out. It's a little little project I'm working on. i got to get the team uh, involved in it. Uh, they need to, it's got to set aside time for everybody to come by and get their uh, shit ready for it. But once it's ready, you guys are going to love it. And, of course, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can donate at. We got a basic, an intermediate, and an advanced. Basic level is for 99 cents per month. You can help us out. The second level is for 4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We're better than the Peacock anyway. 
And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. It was just over the Peacock. You got to where to put that $9.99. Stay at $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You also pay with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is all the money that we raise goes back into this show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest of the money to feed uh, – we. F- we feed the starving ginger his ramen noodles, and we try. Go. God, we're trying, ladies and gentlemen. There this is go. so difficult for us. I'm telling you, it is an uphill battle, but we are trying to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. Talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.